This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hi, it's Vanessa from the Fighting Stigma Show on Free FM. Are you a Waikato local? Do you have an idea for a radio show? Do you want to try your hand at being a content creator on Free FM? If so, check out our website on freefm.org.nz or find Free FM on Facebook and get in touch. And we are back. Kia ora everyone, you are listening to Season 4 of The Locals on Free FM 89.0. Dan Armstrong, It's been over a year since The Locals was last broadcast, and I've been pretty busy in that time, but the desire to discuss the stories and challenges from the Waipa area has never left me, which is why I'm back. In the coming episodes, we'll be discussing how the region has responded to COVID-19, through to drug reform, and as always, I'll be profiling some prominent residents. To start us off, let's focus on Rushley, an Olympian cyclist who, like many others, has faced disruption after disruption in the lead-up to the Tokyo Olympics. I'm really looking forward to this episode, so let's crack into it. This is The Locals, and this is Rushley Buchanan. Good morning, Rushley. How's it going? Yeah, good, thanks. Good morning. Um, yeah, it's good, thank you. Um, everything's going well. And how are you dealing with uh, this cold winter's morning? I think usually you go overseas uh, during this type of the year. Yeah, uh, the cold is definitely our biggest challenge um, at this point in the build-up to Tokyo Olympics. Um, we have everything we need um, and it's yeah, there's no issues apart from the fact that it's obviously like one degree outside right now and it's like 30 degrees in Tokyo. So that will be our biggest challenge. But um, if it's sunny, um, then I can't really complain. <laughs> yeah. Bringing listeners up to speed, uh, what uh, areas of cycling are you contending in at this year's Olympics? So at Tokyo, uh, I will be competing in the Women's Team Pursuit and the Women's Madison, both of which are track cycling events. So it is an indoor event and um, it's a, in a controlled environment, like there's air conditioning. So it will be probably one of the best events to do <laughs> because, of, because of that. Um, and yeah, like I said, so we train mainly on indoors on the velodrome and the Avantage Drome in Cambridge. But um, yeah, it is nice to ride outside sometimes, but we won't be riding outside at Tokyo because we're not allowed. So yeah, that's me. <laughs> when you're cycling with the likes of the Madison, what will you actually be doing? Yeah, so the Madison is crazy. Um <laughs> So it's basically like a tag team relay. So you have yourself and your partner and um, there's 16 teams. So 16 times two is lots of people. Um, and you're going around, one person is in the race at one time. So they'll be going fast with the bunch. And then when you catch up to your partner, you literally have to grab hands and we call it throw or sling each other in so it's very tactical because there's people everywhere and you like if you miss your change if you miss throwing your partner in that's uh, very detrimental and 
while this is going on, it's also a points race. So you also have to sprint every 10 laps and get points. Um, so it looks crazy from the outside. Like if you're watching it, you sometimes it's just so hard to follow. My advice would be to like pick one team and just watch them. Otherwise you kind of just end up watching nothing. Um, but it's much easier to be in the race. You kind of know what's happening when you're in the race and you don't see what's behind you. <laughs> so you're not worried about what's behind you. Whereas if you watch from the, from TV or from the stands, you obviously can see everything, um, which I think it makes it more stressful. Like I find it way more stressful to watch a medicine than to be in a medicine. So um, yeah, I'm excited about the medicine because like so much can happen. Um, which makes it a cool event. Like you've got to be able to think on your feet really fast. So, um, and I think that's the strength of uh, myself and my partner, Jesse Hodges. Um, so we're going in there. We're definitely not favorites or anything in the Madison. So that's also kind of fun, right? Cause you're like the dark horse. You can kind of go in there with no pressure and give it a go. Can you tell us about the other race that you're going to be in? Yeah, so the other race is called the Team Pursuit, and that's first. So that's on the first and second day of competition of track cycling. So that's me and my four other teammates qualify and do a, do a time. And then the next round is we have to race another team and beat the other team. So, again, it's quite tactical because um, you have to figure out how many laps each of you want to do on the front. And then you've also got to beat the other team and then but then you've also got to do a good time to make the finals. So, <laughs> um, and that's across two days. So there's a qualifying, a semi and a final. And out of curiosity, I think we last uh, spoke, uh, would have been early last year. What has happened for you in, the, yeah. in that following year and a half? Because I think it's, it's probably gone off the rails like it has for everyone else. Yeah, definitely at the start of 2020, like the whole world, um, I probably wouldn't have thought that I would be where I am right now. But uh, I think, to be honest, New Zealand um, was one of the best countries to be in, to be an Olympic athlete because we, um, our lockdown was so short that we could still train. I've still been able to train to my full capacity um, and even when we were in lockdown, um, we were still allowed to, you know, ride outside locally and, um, I still had everything that I needed. So I don't feel like, um, I've been negatively impacted at all. Uh, maybe positively because we haven't had to travel and yeah, our lockdown compared to other countries has been, like I said, shorter. So yeah, I think that New Zealand isn't a good place for Olympic athletes, um, especially track cycling. So yeah, it's been a wild ride, excuse the pun, but um, yeah, grateful to be where we are now and, and stronger for it. Uh, I imagine when an Olympics gets postponed as it did last year, that it's more than you guys just getting an email saying come back in a year's time. What actually happened to athletes when, when you were told that, hey, we're stopping this until we know that it's safe again? Well, yeah, interesting you say that because um, we found out, like everybody just found out by coming on the news. Like we didn't get an email or there was no personal communication. It was just like watching the news and um, yeah, woke up one day and 
turned on stuff and and saw that the Olympics was postponed. So uh, that was quite, um, I don't know, just a bit of a surreal moment in time because something that you're working towards is all of a sudden just taken out of your hands. Um, But yeah, I think at that point in time when it got postponed, the world was pretty much all in lockdown anyway. So it was going to happen. So I had kind of like preempted that it was going to happen. So um, for me, it wasn't a huge surprise and it was kind of a relief actually to be like, okay, we don't have to stress about this. We've still got another year. We can just um, get through lockdown and focus on one day at a time rather than having to think about training for an, an, an Olympics while you're literally stuck in your house. And have officials here in New Zealand provided enough support to you and other athletes? Yeah, the NZOC has been really good. I mean, they've got so much to deal with. I do not envy them. Um, But they send us emails all the time. And and in lockdown, there was like webinars where we could just log on and there'd just be a massive Q&A and everybody could just ask questions. So that was super helpful. Um, and then Cycling New Zealand has been awesome as well. Like as soon as we were going into lockdown, they delivered everybody a home gym and a trainer and everything that we needed. And again, we were doing uh, weekly like mental health chats, weekly gym, like we'd all log on Zoom and like do gym together. So they they really kicked into gear real fast and um, it was super helpful. Can you give us a sense of what the next sort of five weeks is going to look like for you? Yeah, so the next uh, three weeks, we're still just in our own homes and can do whatever we want. But, um, you know, it's it's stressed on us that um, we need to limit our interactions with people. So we won't be going to the movies or we won't be going to a mall or um, be doing like click and collect. And you just have to start reducing the people you interact with. And then the final two weeks before we fly, we are in kind of a lockdown, um, just in full camp mode. And so everything will be um, catered for. And if we go into the public, we'll be wearing masks. And just because we have to, before we go to Tokyo, we have to say where we're going to be every day and who we interact with for two weeks before we fly. So, you know, it's just easier to not see very many people than you don't have to write their name down. (laughs) When you actually head off, by then, will you have had your vaccinations? Yeah, so we've all had our vaccinations already. So we've been through that. Um, it was totally fine. And, like, yeah, really grateful to to have had that opportunity. Yeah, it just gives you a sense of um, you just you just feel very grateful to go into Tokyo know, knowing that you have that. Obviously, you can still carry the virus, but um, it hopefully won't affect you the same the same way do you have any concerns or questions about what's going to happen to you when you get down on the ground and you know you've got athletes coming from across the world into this one spot uh, me personally I don't because uh like I said NZOC and Cycling New Zealand have done a really great job like we've been through seminars where we've literally been walked through what it will look like um and the olympics has sent out uh a huge manual on basically what it will what every 
hour of your day will look like and we're just going in knowing that it will be basically a lockdown so you're going to be in your room or in the transport bus to your venue and in your venue and that's it um cycling is actually in a really good position because we have our own village where our event is four hours out of tokyo so we have a cycling village um so that reduces the numbers by so much um like i think i read the other day there was going to be like forty-five thousand people in the um, olympic village dining room or something <laughs> like that's a lot of people but i don't even know if there's going to be 1000 people in the cycling village so um i think that reduces my personal stress quite a lot um and yeah like i said we're just going to have to go in knowing that we're in basically a lockdown there's no sightseeing we can't ride outside um there'll be no hugging or high-fiving um so we know all this information going in um which is super helpful i think the first time we spoke in 2019 one of the things you highlighted that were you know just a, a neat little perk of the olympics was meccas and I, <laughs> memory serves you would get other people to get the meccas for you so you didn't have to stand in a long queue have you have you figured out how to negotiate this one <laughs> yeah you have a good memory um well I have figured out how to negotiate it but um it's because it doesn't exist so <laughs> okay. um because the cycling village is its own thing um there's no there's no meccas at our cycling village unfortunately um but yeah so won't be won't be eating that which is it's probably good for me to be honest <laughs> I feel genuine sympathy for you <laughs> I'll be able to have it when I come back to New Zealand after two weeks of MIQ. So yeah. there's a there's a ways to eat eat McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> Can Uber eat sort of throw it through your window in the hotel when you're back here? Yeah, you can get Uber Eats and MIQ, I think. So there we go. I don't oh, know if it's free though. <laughs> Is there another sport or some mates of yours uh, competing in something else that you're really interested to to watch as well? Well, my husband is American. Don't don't hold it against him. Um, <laughs> but he is he is racing for America in the Madison, so that will be my number one event to watch. And then, other than cycling. Um, I think the most interesting events will be the ones like the marathon and I mean, the road race for cycling, like events that are uh, take a long time, but they're in the heat, they're in the elements because it's going to be really hot and humid. And I don't envy those people being out there for hours. Um, you know, the Madison is my longest event and it's only half an hour and it's indoors. So um, I'm not going to have to battle those elements quite as much, but yeah just things like I mean we have a really good triathlon team um yeah any any event with the Kiwi in it I I'll be watching um unfortunately this year we can't go and watch in person other events we can only watch our own event so I'll only be able to go to the velodrome to watch my other teammates but um yeah grateful still to be able to do that what are the dates where you'll be participating that people uh, need to tune in and watch you so track cycling is from the 2nd to the 8th of August and the team pursuit is on the 2nd and 3rd and the Madison is on the 6th. Fantastic. Uh, and before we go to break, 
uh, is there a song you'd like to have played? Ah, hmm, good question. I wasn't prepared for this. Um, uh, me personally, so when I warm up, I like I just I like quite fast upbeat music, and um, there's definitely like some shapeshifter songs that I warm up to, like with a good beat. Um, <laughs> so any anything that's fast and and happy and makes you feel good um, would be a great song to play. <laughs> You're listening to The Locals on Free FM 89.0 and this is Shapeshifter's Electric Dream.
Welcome back to The Locals. We've still got a few minutes left of this episode, so I thought it'd be good to catch up with Jessica at the Te Aumotu Citizens Advice Bureau, an essential service in our community. Good Jess. Uh, great, great to have you on the show again. Thanks. Yes, thanks for inviting me back. Welcome home. Yes, thank you. Can you give us an idea of what actually is a Citizens Advice Bureau? What's the CAB? Yeah, sure. Um, well, first of all, we are a pretty neat place. Well, I, I think so. Um, a Citizens Advice Bureau is a community-owned organisation uh, made up of mainly volunteers. Sometimes there's a paid employee, such as myself, as manager. Um, but mainly we're run by volunteers and we are here for the community. So anyone in the community can come into or make contact with the CAB and ask a question about anything. And we are here to help um, and support that person and help point them in the right direction, what they need to do. And what's the most frequent questions that you get from people walking through the door? Here in Te Awamutu, um, our top uh, inquiries are relationship type of inquiries, separation, care of children. Uh, we get a lot of inquiries for legal services. We also get uh, a lot of JP inquiries, uh, employment, tenancy, um, the, look, the list goes on. We get lots of inquiries about lots of things, but they were you know, about it, probably about our top five, six inquiries. And it's not just handing out pamphlets or pointing to where a social agency is. Uh, you've also got the likes of clinics. Can you tell me about them? Um, here in Teomotu, we have two clinics. We have our JP clinic, uh, which is three mornings a week, and we have a legal clinic. They are an opportunity for people to come in, no appointment uh, needed for the JP clinic. They can just walk in and see a JP on a particular day at a set time. Uh, the legal clinic's appointments are needed. People can make an appointment to speak to a lawyer, um, ask that question that they don't want to uh, pay to go see a lawyer for. Um, those are, We do need appointments for those, but those are free. If people were listening to that and thinking they'd like to volunteer, is there a process for that? Can they do that? Um, most CABs, certainly Tiamatu, are always looking for, for volunteers. Um, I would say most other CABs would be as well. The process would be to contact your nearest CAB or contact us here at Um Either just walk in off the street, find us online, send us a message or send me an email and uh, we can send an information pack out and just a quick application and then get the ball rolling. And as someone who's been working in the community for uh, several years now, uh, what do you feel the impact is of CAB in the community? Huge. Um, we've just come to the end of our, our financial year and we're just starting to put together our statistics for the last last 12 months. Our CAB here in Te Aumutu, we've seen over 6,500 uh community members uh, visit us or make contact with us about their inquiries. That's a huge amount of, of people to come through our doors and a huge, uh, some of them are quite large complex issues. Some of them are just quick, uh, what we call quick reference, they want a phone number or want to be pointed in the right direction. Um, others can take hours for us to sort out and um, I think that there would be a lot more, a, a lot more people struggling at the CAB wasn't here. Thank you to both Jessica Brown and Rushley Buchanan, 
you'll be able to see Rushley race in August, and you can check out the Te Aumutu Citizens Advice Bureau in the arcade just off the main street, or call 07 871 They even have a pretty nifty website, cab.org.nz. While this was the first episode of The Local since last May, this and Season three's shows can be found on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Just search The Locals, and I'll post those links on the Dan Armstrong Park and Country Facebook page. Also, a big thanks to Mike, Phil, and the team at Free FM for welcoming me back. It really means a lot. We'll be back next Monday, but until then I'll leave you with split ends haul away. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Haerera. I was born in Tiawamutu, 25th of June, 1952. Ten pounds of boy, all away, all away, all away. My mother and father's pride and joy. Richard and Mary, drink to my journey, haul away. I left home at the age of 13, a scholarship, small fresh big sea, all away, all away, all away, no more happy childhood days for me, Catholic condition, strength through exhaustion, all away. At 21 I was thirsting for experience and my brain was about to burst, Episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices, or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio, or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.